Did you have a phone in high school? No. I've got a freaking touch phone. I, I didn't have TikTok. I had Instagram, Snapchat, everything in high school. So yes. our experience from everything else was completely different. Yes. But the school infrastructure is the same. Yeah. And so why isn't it changing? Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bowen. Great to... Great to catch up and chat. Yeah, it's a beautiful studio. Yeah, it is. It is. It almost looks familiar. Yeah, it I know. Looks like it could be. I feel at home almost. Yeah, it's feel at home. Like it could be yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, this is a bit of an interesting one. Byron and I got talking and I had been researching you, Byron. I'm here today um, recording in your studio, but your backstory is really interesting. Your mission and purpose and what you've created. So I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about you and then I think sure. we'll just have a chat about your journey. Sounds good. So in case you haven't heard of Byron before, he's the founder of the Driven Young podcast, and that's a platform that helps educate and inspire the younger generation around entrepreneurship and practical life skills. Byron grew awareness of his education podcast via a super short TikTok snippet of each episode, and boy, oh boy, has your TikTok blown up. (laughs) Right now, Byron has over... Oh, wow. 377.8K followers. How many is that? I've got over a million now. You've got over a million followers. Okay. This this must be an old bio. (laughs) And I know, okay. And I know nothing about TikTok. So I'm very interested to chat with you on his main TikTok account. And he also has another account, which is Consent and Consequences, talking about relationships, sexual assault, and consent education. You've probably come across two of his videos in TikTok before. I've seen a couple. And I just wanted to have a chat to you about your journey today. And this podcast is all about building doors. So looking at people and how can you create the opportunities in your life that you want for your purpose and your Mm. vision rather than waiting for someone to open a door for you or tell you what needs to happen. Tell us a bit about your life journey and how you've come to found Driven Young. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about building doors. I believe there's so many, like behind one door, there could be hundreds, thousands, you never know. So at a very early age, I was a bit of a yes man. You know, Jim Carrey, I was just saying yes to everything because yeah. I was like opportunities. I just like very naively said yes to everything. And I still do in a way, I've pulled back a bit. Yep. So I've kind of got a bit more boundaries and like, all right, do I really have time to do that? But yeah, at 11 years old, so I grew up in New Zealand mm-hmm. and then I moved here when I was about 12, 13. And so I did all of high school in Australia. And I was making films since I was 11 years old. So like movies, little short films, lightsaber battles, gunfights with my siblings. (laughs) I'd do whatever, like visual effects and stuff. So I love making videos. And that's what I wanted to go into when I was younger. I knew I wanted to be like a filmmaker or something. And then I was video guy all throughout high school. Visual arts. I did a video. I got into Art Express, which is like the top kind of reward for that in New South Wales. So that was very validating. And then I finished high school and I was like, okay, I want to go into film. And when I finished high school, everyone was going to uni, right? Everyone was going straight into uni. One of my issues was I hated exams. I was so bad at exams. Just very terrible at exams. I would understand the concepts. I just wouldn't perform well in exams. I wasn't terrible. I'd get like 60s or 70s. Yeah. But I feel like I'd put in the work. Well, all my other friends would seem to get 80s and 90s. Mm. And so I really hated exams. And I remember when everyone was celebrating at the end of high school, they're like, no more exams. I was like, what do you mean? You guys are all going into uni. You've got exams in like three months. (laughs) And I just out of pain of exams and also because you don't need a degree to be a filmmaker. Mm. So I was like, look, you don't need a degree to be a filmmaker. Why don't I just start making films? And so I worked in a disability support role just for like some part-time money. I was making films and I did go to film school for like a short course. It was just like a two nights a week, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, Thursday night. I remember I was in this class just scrolling through Facebook and an ad popped up 
Mm. I don't know if you know Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't, but I should. Yeah, but I he's like- say yes. My son would. Yes. He's like the a really famous entrepreneur who puts yep. out a lot of content. Yep. This guy follows him around making videos of him. He just films him. His name's D-Rock. And the okay. ad said D-Rock wanted. And I immediately knew what he wanted. He's like, oh, you need someone to follow you around and make content for social media. Wow. And so I was like, this is great. So I messaged the guy and I was like, yeah, I'll come along. I'll do it. And he said, um, I can't afford to pay like a full wage. I just want someone who's like young and hungry. I was like, yeah, I'll do it for free and everything. He ended up paying me a little bit. I used all my own equipment and that was kind of like my journey. That was what got me into business. That's what got me into entrepreneurship. I don't know if you've heard of KPI or Key Person of Influence. Yep. Yeah, so that's his company. Ah. So he's a co-founder of that company, which is now called Dent Global. Yep. But their flagship product is called the Key Person of Influence, which is all about how do you become the key person of influence in your industry, which mm. is how do you become the go-to brand in your industry? So for mm. you, how do you become the go-to person in the recruitment construction space? Yeah. When people think of schools education or like outside education or communities for young people, they think of me, hopefully. That's my plan. Yes. And so that was my bread and butter. So I went to events and I was at these events. I was 18 years old. Everyone else was in their 30s and they were coming up to me like, Byron, I wish I knew this when I was your age. Yes. So that combined over like, one, two years plus, because he was not, they're not a huge business. They're probably doing 30 mil a year, which mm -hmm. might sound crazy numbers, but like it's still a small business. Mm. I think anything below 30 is a small business in Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're probably doing more now, but at the time they were doing around 20 to 30 mil. And so they had a team of four or five, but it was a small enough team where I got to see how he ran his business. Mm. I got to see how everything worked, how he managed team, how he ran stuff. And so I learned so much in that one to two year period. When I left to start my own thing, I had a bit more guidance and I knew what I was doing. And that mm. kind of led me, oh, short, long story short, I went to a podcasting conference. I saw how cool podcasting was. And in late 2019, I started the Driven Young podcast, which has now turned into a whole company, a whole brand, a whole yes. revenue model and a whole bunch of other things as well. But that was a starting point, just a podcast in 2019, which really took off in COVID when I got on TikTok. Mm. And you were the perfect example of building doors. You created those opportunities. You were happy to work for free. You knew what you wanted to do mm. and you were driven to achieve. Yeah. So tell me more about the Driven Young business and what you hope that it does for other young people. So the Driven Young business, right now our main thing is Driven Young program, which mm -hmm. is a three-month, I'm thinking about dropping it to two. So currently it's a three-month program. I say the perfect complement for anyone studying or working. Mm -hmm. So it's designed to fit in with a young person, 18 to 30, mm -hmm. studying or working. It's for people who want a community. So it's a community of people. Every week we do a bushwalk, a house party, events, whatever it is. We do lots of different things. Every single week we have three or four events on where people can build these social connections. And it's beyond just getting drunk. You know, yes, we do have house parties and stuff, but it's really like building genuine connections. Mm. We do a lot of personal development stuff. We do confidence building workshops and a bunch of other stuff within that. So it's kind of like a whole community of young people just looking to better themselves and then also complemented with online education and in-person meetups. Mm. And that was born out of COVID. You know, the biggest issue for young people with COVID wasn't the disease itself. It was being locked inside, having no social interactions yeah. and the mental health implications of that. And so I just knew so many people and I still know so many people who would do a three-year degree and have zero friends. Or they'd go to uni because they're like, I don't know what I want to do, but at least if I go to uni, I'm figuring it out. I can meet some cool people. Mm. And half of them don't even meet cool people now. They'll just go to uni and they'll just kind of do their degree and wow. then they finish it. They don't use it. They don't have any friends and, it's yeah. like, and they're 40 grand in debt. And so I built this program to be something that was a bit more affordable and a way to build a community. And we've got such a phenomenal community right now. Like I put up an event, I get 30, 40 people come along. Mm. We just put up a dinner party and within an hour, 20 people are already going. Nice. And so it's filled up already. Yeah. And so it's just a really, really cool thing, something I'm passionate about. And yeah, we kind of slowly adding in more personal development and I guess growth stuff, but most people join for the community. Mm. 
You mentioned COVID and I think it's important to talk about, I can't imagine what it would have been like in my 20s going through COVID mm. as a young person trying to build those connections and now more and more we're going digital. How did you respond during that time? What was the experience like for you trying to have meaningful connections during COVID and what was the impact do you feel in you know, your generation? I mean, it was huge, but did you ever get on Clubhouse, the social media app? I've heard of it, yes. There was this app and it was it's kind of dead now, but it blew up during COVID. It was like an audio platform where you could join and there'd be heaps of people and you could just meet these people. Mm. So there's a bunch of us that kind of created this group of Australian creatives. And man, we every week we were doing these things because we couldn't meet up in person. And then as COVID kind of started to dwindle out, that app kind of dwindled out and we yeah. just focused on meeting up in person and whatnot. But yeah, people are just way less likely to go out. I think they've got way more anxiety, way more stress. There's way more just everything. Everything yeah. is worse. And yeah. it's... It's why I started this this program because I felt like there was a real need for it. Like people yep. just wanted something like this and they do, as, as I've seen. Yeah. And when you say way more stress and things like that, what do you think the impacts had been of your program for the people that have joined outside of developing those entrepreneurial skills and those networks? Mm. How important is it with the tribe that you have around you? It's been insane. Like I also run another program called Empower You. Mm -hmm. So it's a two-day life skills personal development program for teenagers, kind of like yep. Tony Robbins for teenagers. Yep. And we included that in my program. And after that, I had multiple people come up to me and they're like, your program saved my life. Like I had no reason to wake up and now I've got friends who support me. And so it's like, I think people underestimate the importance of having people around you. Mm. It's like, if you have good people around you, you can do anything. Like it's just any situation you go through, having good people around you is only going to be helpful. Yep. Even the most traumatic things. If you've got a good network around you, that's only going to lift you up. And I don't mean like a business network. I mean like your, your core friends and stuff. Mm. And so, yeah, it's just been incredible. Obviously, some people have got way more out of it than others. Mm. Uh, for some people, it's just really cool to have some friends. For other people, it's changed their life and their whole perspective. They're like a thousand more times confident. Mm. Like we have a wins channel on the platform I use and we're getting wins every day of people who are like, there's one girl, she had a, I don't know it was an eating disorder, but she didn't eat much. She'd eat like one meal a day. And she's mm. like, for the first time, I've eaten four meals today. And I have more energy than I've had in like eight months. Mm. It's stressful. It was hard work, but I'm doing it. Now she's done it day two, day three, day mm. four. That was after we ran the Empower You program. Mm. And so, yeah, the change has just been, in some people, it's been like 100%. In other people, it's less so. Mm. For some people, they've only come to two or three events. Mm. And that's on them. Yeah. You know, they have access to everything. But we've got a good 40 to 50 that come to everything. And it's just literally, it's been phenomenal. And we've got our last event coming up in like three weeks, which will be really cool. Mm. But even going through some of the testimonials we shot, just like people are just like completely new people. And this isn't a short amount of time. Mm. So that's the power. And that's why everything I do is my favorite quote that I use is surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when you walk in the room. That's a quote we have in our t-shirts that we give our members. I love that. And that's what it's all about. Just surrounding yourself with good quality people combined with education and all these other elements that just kind of lift the whole experience. Mm. In your journey as well, how important have the people around you been? Like, So obviously you've realized the power of community yourself. Yes. So where did that come from? And it, it came because when I finished high school, my friends went in a very different direction. Mm. They all went straight to uni. None of them really knew what they were doing. Yeah. Some of them are using their degree. A lot of them aren't. Mm. But for like three years, even though I had this cool opportunity, I didn't have good friends mm. for a very long time. Mm. And I had some really nice guys around me, but they weren't doing the entrepreneur stuff. Mm. So we were just doing different directions. So I think they're amazing guys. They were just mm. going one way. I was going this way. And so, yeah, it was such a grind for the first two, three years by myself. And it wasn't until with this Clubhouse app and I got some real close friends and now I've got this incredible network and mm. everything's easier. 
Like everything is easier. You've got constant support. People celebrate with you. I want to see all my friends succeed. They want to see me succeed. It's, in my opinion, the most important thing you can do in your 20s is to find your tribe or find people to surround yourself with. Because yes. a lot of people nowadays don't have that. Mm. Like a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, which is sad. And I do agree that it is the people around you that can make or break your life mm. and how you feel just about just about every day, mm. you know, and just how you feel about getting up, getting yep. up and, and are you inspired? I have a thing as well that I always say, like, when you leave that person, do you feel like more energized mm. or less than? And if the answer is less than, then it's probably someone that's taking energy from you and you're not getting anything out of that mm. relationship or that friendship that yeah. you've got as well. So in terms of your impact that you want to leave on the world. So if you're looking at you're starting this business, you wanted to do film and things like that, you know, what's the legacy you want to leave? I think it's constantly changing. A big part of me was I wanted to help change Australia's education system. So it was more focused on practical life skills and, and modern skills for the modern world. Mm. It's such a beast to change yeah. and it's so much government. It's like, ah, uh, it's just such a slow thing. I think I'm better off just providing education outside of it and creating communities outside of that. So business-wide, I want to create, I want to blow this up. I want to go worldwide eventually, definitely Australia-wide mm. as soon as possible. And I want to have just, you know, programs and communities all around the world where young people are bouncing off each other. You go to Italy and there's a community you can plug into Italy, the Driven mm. Young community and all these different places where you can just like leverage each other mm. and just, you know, really pull people out. Like a lot of people who joined the program were like the first time I've ever financially invested in themselves mm. and the first time I've spent money that wasn't on drugs and alcohol. And so for them, it's just like a whole new world of people who are lifting each other up. They're not constantly pulling you down. Mm. They're not always like belittling you when you do something good because you're acting cocky rather than just celebrating what you want. So yeah, I think the legacy I want to leave is just impact as many young lives as possible because a changed life changes lives. And if you can impact a thousand, they can impact another thousand. And then the ripple effect is huge. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Another question I had or I was interested in is a lot of people I talk to that are running businesses and in the workplace are talking about the challenge now post COVID of engaging with Gen Z, engaging with different generations of workers mm. who have come through and have been working from home. And there's like a bit of a value shift. It's like, well, no, I don't, I, I want my work to be part of my life, but not mm. all my life. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts around what you've seen after COVID and how workplaces are engaging with young people? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the area Gen Z is looking to go into. I think it's a byproduct of because of social media, we see everything. We mm. can see the lives some people are living. And we've also seen how like our grandparents have just worked, 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 and then they retire. That's not really what a lot of us want. I think Gen Z is much more hyper aware of the work-life balance, even though we're in a world where it's like you need to earn a lot of money just to survive now because yeah. especially I'm in Sydney very, very expensive here. So it's, how do you find that balance? Yeah, I've heard stuff where like Gen Z are less motivated by financial like raises and more like what benefits can you give me? Could you give me an extra week of unpaid leave? Or could you give me more responsibility on some creative projects or something? Mm. They would prefer that because that mm. gets them excited. Also, people are just dropping left, right and center. Like the amount of people that we connect with who then leave their job, it's insane. The amount of companies where like we're connecting with people and then it's like, sorry, oh, this person's left. It's yes. just people are dropping their like, like flies. It's, it's crazy. And I'm not sure what the byproduct of that is. Yeah. I think it's just a very messy spot right now. Post COVID, young people, high living expenses. It mm. feels very sloppy, very messy with what's going on. I'm not really sure what's happening with young people. Yeah, We need to figure it out because yeah. I think young people are not sticking around very long. 
No. Like they stick around eight months, maybe a year, they move on. Yes. And it's like, what can we do? To me, there's like an engagement issue. If I'm only saying eight or nine months, it's like the company is not engaging mm. with them. There's a disconnect there. And then you hear about the phenomenon of quiet quitting. People are saying, well, I'm going to stay in my job, but do. What are your thoughts around quiet quitting? Because I'm trying to understand the definition. Is it doing the bare minimum in your job while you're there? Mm. Or is it on the other side going, well, I just don't, I'm not going to care anymore. I'm just going to coast I'm not along. Too, I'm not too sure about the quiet quitting thing. I think it was more like something of the older generation picked up and like put a blame on Gen Z. Like I've never <laughs> yeah, heard. Like, I've never like heard, we, didn't, we didn't do it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard any Gen Z person use that term. Like, yeah. oh, I'm quiet quitting. I think it's more like the other generations have like made this up on our behalf. Yeah. Um, I see videos all the time of people like, how can I do the bare minimum? And I'm just like, I disagree with that mindset respectfully. Yeah. Look. You do what you get paid for, but I think you should always go above and beyond. Because, Which you have, yeah. And look, if you go above and beyond and you do that for a year and you don't get anything, then obviously quit and move somewhere where you're appreciated. Totally but you great. should always be trying. Like I believe if you're going to work in a job, you should try to be passionate about it. At least try find something that you're getting growth from, you're getting significance from, you're contributing back. You're actually enjoying what you do because it's your job. You're going to be doing it for a long time. I've heard other people say there is validity in just finding a really high paying job, working your ass off, using that money and investing it. That's valid. But for me, I would rather do something that I'm passionate about. Mm. And for me, I'm also like, how do I build my wealth, build my companies, doing something I love? I could mm. make a lot more money doing something a lot less fulfilling. Yeah. I'm sure I could, you know, with the skills that I've got, I could probably go get a high paying job in marketing or like brand building and whatnot. But it's not the most fulfilling thing for me, but I love what I do. I love seeing the growth in people. And so, yeah, the quiet quitting thing is interesting. I definitely think there are some people that have that mindset of I'm getting paid 55 grand a year. I'm going to do 55 grand a year of worth of work. Or I've seen stuff in corporate where they're like, then like a spreadsheet. And I'll say, you've got five days to do the spreadsheet and they can do it in three hours. So they wait the whole five days, then just do the last three hours to do it. Yeah. And they just, oh, I see TikToks of that all the time. And you see the comments, everyone's like, yeah, that's me, lol, 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 lol. And I'm like, are you, why are you guys proud of this? Like, yes, there's a level of the company to go, okay, we shouldn't have given them five days to do it. But also it's like, if you just go, all right, it's done in five hours. And then they give you another job and you do that one and you do that one. First of all, you're busy. So you're actually doing something. Mm. And man, you're going to be so much more valuable than every other person. When they go to give you a job, if you're an intern, they're going to go to you. Not the other interns who took five days to do it. Yes. So that's my mentality. I think you should always be trying to do more than is asked of you in most things in life. Mm. So yeah, the quiet quitting thing, I'm not really sure where it came from. I definitely disagree with it. I think it's more like people just, they hit a point where they go, you know what, I'm just going to slowly stop putting in work, stop showing up early, stop doing that. Mm. And that's fine. If you're not getting rewarded for that or if they're not showing their appreciation for that, mm. that's on the company. Mm. The company needs to take ownership for that. If you're rocking up early, you're doing all the stuff and you're not getting any sign of recognition or anything, they'll mm. just be like, oh, I'm just going to do the bare minimum until they maybe phase me out. Yeah. I think that's the idea of quiet quitting. Again, most of my friends are kind of quite entrepreneurial. Yeah, so, so I'm not, you probably I'm, I'm not be even around that, the quiet quitters. Yeah, I'm not you? really around that space. Not in your tribe. I don't yeah. know many people in corporate. Obviously, I know some, but yeah, the people I show myself, most of us are like more entrepreneurial in in that aspect. Which is really powerful when you talk about it as well, because we look at the way social media works and and even the content you see on the internet. We all know algorithms and things like that. You're going to see more of what you search, more of what you're looking at. If you're looking at a lot of quiet quitting and everyone's going, yes, yeah, I'm yeah. doing it, then you're seeing more and more. You, you think it's a movement. Well, no, no, mm. no. You're responding to that content and that's what you're seeing. But that's why I see the power in something like Driven Young in creating that community around you where people are encouraging you. They're entrepreneurs as mm. well because it can be really lonely. Well, Driven Young for some people, I think there's definitely been a few people in, in this program who have been kind of slapped in the face realizing now into this community 
and seeing the level of, I guess, some people playing it and mm. the respect and the the growth in the community. And then they're going, oh my God, I just realized all my friends are holding me back. I've yeah. had people come up and say that to me. They're like, I had no idea until I joined this community, but I was doing nothing. I thought it was just normal because everyone else was doing nothing. Everyone else did drugs and alcohol every weekend. So yeah. it's just the norm. And it's like, well, actually, that's not the norm for us. And like, yeah, I know. Like th- for some people, like it seems obvious to us because we've been out of it. But for some people, they're so ingrained in it. As you said, like if everyone's quite quitting, then it's like, well, that's the thing to do. Yes. But if everyone's going above and beyond, then that's the thing to do. Mm. Again, a lot of it comes back to who do you surround yourself with mm. in every element, not just business, but like not just finances, but like everything. Yeah. What do you want to do with your life? Have good quality people around you. And I think people... Think about it. People look at their friendship circles and you might make a friend in school and you grow and sometimes you grow together and sometimes Mm. you grow apart and that happens. But I think also there just comes a time in your life when you take stock and you look at your tribe and you go, is this the right tribe to drive me forward? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of where the program can pull people out of that. Mm. And it's tricky. I think the most dangerous people, you've got toxic people in your life, right? Mm. But often when you'll have that realization, you go, oh my God, they're toxic. Let's cut them out then you've got people who are really amazing for you. I think the most dangerous is like actually in between. And because I see people stuck with these people forever. You see people in relationships, they're not that wildly in love, but they're not like hating each other. Yeah. They're just kind of floating there. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same with friendships as well. You have friends where you're not really growing with each other. You're not, but they're not crap people. And so you'll just be stagnant with them. Kind of like a six out of 10 relationship, like mm. a six out of 10 friendship, six out of 10 life, where people just get used to it. Though they don't like expand because they're just comfortable um, and we always say like the enemy of a great life is a good one. Mm. And in Australia, we have a very, very good life. And as a result, a lot of people don't stretch. They're not feeling enough pain to move out of that. Yes. And they're not in enough pleasure to move out of it. Mm. You know, people in third world countries would work a lot harder because they've experienced that level of pain. In Australia, yeah. we're just like, we'll sit here and complain about the government as if we're not in the top 1% of the, the world in terms yeah. of wealth. Yeah. So, Yeah who you surround yourself with. A lot of it comes back to that, at least in my belief. And I think we come from a position of privilege, right, in our country. And then so we find small things to complain about. Things that are big to us, but if you look at it from a global scale, are small problems. Yeah, And that doesn't mean they're not problems. No. Like we, I mean, we still have huge, I mean, there's like, what is it, male suicides? Like one in three males have considered suicide or like thought about it. And one in five women have done it or like attempt. I don't know. There's crazy stats out there that show there's still a lot of issues we have. Yeah. But yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, God, Yeah. we've got our minimum needs met. Yeah. You know, which means, you know, in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know that concept, right? Yes. Yeah. Like we've got our kind of- We've got our basic, we've got food, shelter, you know. We've got even the probably the second layer met just by being born here. Yeah. And so we're constantly thriving for the other ones, whereas mm. other people will just be like, I just need food. That's their mission every day. How do I get food and water on the table? How do I feed my family? Yeah. And I mean, we all make do within the privilege that we have. There's always yeah. going to be people we can look up to and complain, but then there's probably billions of people below us that are looking up to us wishing we they had what we had. Yeah. That's kind of the perspective. There's a thing I do called the human lottery. And I learned this from my first mentor when I got the job with him. Yeah. And he said, imagine there's like a, a box here or, or like a, a magic thing here, which has every human's name in the world. Would you take your name, put it in there on the chance to redraw someone else's life out? Keep in mind, there's like a 50% chance you'll live on less than $1.30 a day. There's like an 80% chance you'll live on less than $30 a day. And so the chances of you pulling a life that's even close to as lucky as you've got it is like probably 1%, if not less. So with that mentality, it's like that's something to be grateful for. I love that. Mm. What a great- Yeah, it's a great one. That's so so powerful. Yeah, I think it's a good just little reminder of like, look, we've got it pretty good. Not to say we don't have our own issues. Absolutely. Yeah. But in the big scheme of things, 
we've got it pretty good here. And gratitude is such an important, they talk about the work of gratitude mm. around, you know, such an important part of changing mindset and how powerful gratitude is with depression, you know, combination of yeah. um, they look at exercise and gratitude practice, journaling, yeah. remembering what you're grateful for. I interviewed the founder of Are You Okay Day. He was mm. like second episode. So yeah. like way back. And he said, studies have shown that a 30 minute walk in nature has the same effect as antidepressant. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying that, but that's what studies have shown. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot you can do. Gratitude is a big one. You know, yep. gratitude journaling, just being grateful for the small things. I mm. think for me, when I was 11, I went to Thailand and I saw some really impoverished villages. We gave them a bag of chips to kids and they held onto it for their life. I saw people living in dumpsters. They fed us their best food, which was like really gross sausages and eggs. And we felt guilty eating it. And mm. for our standards, it was gross, but that was the best thing they had. Mm. And at 11 years old, I think that really shaped me and my perspective on the world because I've always been grateful. Like, yes, there's annoying stuff the Australian government does. Oh, yeah. Yes, this city is incredibly expensive. Like, there's a lot of issues. Yes, mental health is really bad right now. Anxiety is through the roof. Yeah. There are not many communities. It's very hard to make friends. Online dating sucks. There are definitely issues. Mm. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's as bad as, you know, struggling to just eat. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective. I want to talk to you as well around, oh, because I've got a son, right, and he came to me the other day and he said to me, Mum, he said the education, this was, he said, I've been watching this TikTok. I let him watch TikTok. How is he? He's only eight, but he wants to be a filmmaker and he loves TikTok. And you know what? I encourage that. If that's what he wants to do, he's obsessed with movies, knows everything about movies and so wants to do film. And so he loves watching TikToks and retelling me the stories, right? Mm. So he watched his TikTok and he said, I just feel like the education system, and he's eight, he said, I just feel like it's not geared for me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, is, is eight? I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, the education system doesn't focus on what I like to do and what I'm interested in. It just makes me learn everything. And he goes, but imagine if you were able to learn more about the areas that you were interested in, how much more interested you would be in school. And, and like, so he's very smart. He never doesn't struggle with his subjects. He gets straight A's. Like he's mm. a very smart kid. It sat with me for days afterwards because I've always worried about our education system and how hard it is on boys. We know from a biological point of view at the early ages, boys are wanting to run around and move because their biological side means that their arms and legs are developing. And it's mm. just instinctive that they want to move. And we sit them at a desk. Mm. And so now he's sitting eight and, and he's questioning it and coming back to me. Wow, I was fascinated about it. What are your thoughts around how the education system is geared? I mean, how long do you have? <laughs> yeah, I'm keen to talk to you about it. And even just so, because my son listens to all the podcasts, yeah. he loves it. So even just so he can hear, because it's something, he's eight. I couldn't believe yeah, it. That's incredibly young to have that realization. Here's the story I like to use. Imagine you went back in time, 100 years. So let's say it's 1920s. Yeah. You looked around, you'd see old school cars. Everyone would be dressed completely differently. Everything would be different. Cars, mm. the way the cities work, everything would be different, mm. except the education system. You walk into a school, two kids sitting at a desk with a teacher on a chalkboard, mm. and they're teaching similar ideas. That's insane to me. 100 years, we've had more growth in terms of human prosperity in the last 100 years. Like it's, it's terrifying how much we've grown technologically in the last 100 years. Yeah. And so the school system has not kept up to date. 
yes, this stuff is done. Now it's a whiteboard instead of a, a chalkboard and we teach maybe a bit more advanced stuff or we know a bit more about gravity and Newton and all that stuff. But we still teach, you know, English, math, science. We still write essay after essay. We still mm. learn the amount of math that I learned, which I'll never, ever use in my life. The amount of stuff I learned in school, which I'm never going to use is criminally, it's criminal how much I learned in school, which I'm never going to use. Mm. It's actually insane. And look, I don't even talk about primary school where your son's at. I talk mainly about senior high school. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe what he said. And I was like, I didn't even know what to say. Yeah, because I mean, look, the counter argument to what your son said, I said at eight years old, do you really know what you want to do? You know, and so there is validity in just tasting everything, right? Yeah. But that argument gets stronger once we turn 18, you know, 17, and we, we're choosing our subjects. Mm. But you have to do math, and you should probably do a science. Oh, and you've got to do English, so really you only get to choose three subjects. Mm. But then you should probably do economics or business to sound smart. And then people are picking their subjects not based off what they want to do, but based off how well they rank. Mm. or what, how smart it's going to make them look. Yes. And so that is a huge issue. There's also a real lack of creativity mm. in school. It's just very structured. You know, you've got to raise your hand and go to the toilet. You've got to like line up. It's like, and now there's gates around schools where you can't leave at certain times. I know it's a bit dramatic. It is kind of gives vibes of like a prison in a way. Now, obviously mm. it's not, but school could be so much different. The issue is because we don't know what it could be, people can't imagine they're not like they can't contrast it to something else mm. i interviewed the head of education from finland and they have the number one education system in the world mm. he was like the ex-head of education he lives in australia now mm. and he was just saying how teachers are highly respected it's one of the most respected roles in society in australia that's not really respected at all like mm. people will be like oh cool you're a teacher but they're not going to be like whoa your son's a doctor mm. your son's an engineer your mm. son's a, a psychologist. Mm. Your son's a, t oh, a teacher. Oh, nice. That's good. Good on them. Mm. Like they're not going to get the high status thing. I know. And as a result, we don't get high quality people trying to be a teacher. If they're only going to get paid 80 grand a year and they're not going to be respected, they'll go do medicine and get quarter of a million dollars a year mm. and be highly respected. Mm. Of course, there are people who do teaching out of the love for it and they're incredible teachers. But teaching is one of those things where it's like you get a bad teacher, that could change a child's life. Like the responsibility of teachers is massive. Mm. And we all can think of one or two terrible teachers we had and mm. one or two incredible teachers we had. Yes. We can all think of the impact the negative teacher had and the positive impact a good teacher can have. Mm. So that's another issue. But yeah, it's just a lack of creativity, I think, in terms of learning creative. I think it's way too structured. We don't have enough time to just just figure stuff out mm. and just kind of be kids. I think there's a lot more pressure. And the other issue is school is not a good reflection of the real world. Smart mm. kids go into uni with big egos. They think... I'm smart, then they get very quickly humbled. Mm. Um, people who aren't good at exams think they're idiots and then they enter the real world and go, wait, am I, hold on, I'm 25. Maybe I'm not an idiot. Maybe this is what a belief I had because for six years I did bad in exams. That was me. Mm. I never thought I was intelligent or smart mm. because I just did bad in exams. Mm. So school is at a point in our life where it's shaping us. Mm. I'm sure you're aware like zero to seven, 90% of who we are is developed. Yes. So That's your right. son, like he's passed his uh, most developed. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> You're done. You can let him go. But he's passed his most developed years, which is terrifying because seven, you know, that's not much. Yeah. Obviously, the next eight years, 10 years is still important. Yeah. But school's got us in a time where we're very malleable. We're very influenced. And I just don't think we're learning the things we should be learning. We're not learning financial literacy, how to manage our money, how oh, to invest wisely. We're yes. not learning the importance of communication skills, effectively communicating, not public speaking, mm. but communicatingly effective so not just like speaking on stage but how do you when you're going for a job interview how do you what's your presence what's your body language we're not teaching skills like emotional intelligence how do we control our emotions mm. through our physiology 
through the language that we're using and, and how, what we're focusing on in life. We're not learning about goal setting or like a mindset shift, growth and fixed mindset, how mm. to approach life. School should be less teaching us like specific things and more just like work ethic, mindset shift, more generic stuff, soft skills that you can apply to anything. Because mm. that way that's actually preparing for someone in the real world. Because yes. ultimately we can learn the specific skills for whatever we need to do. Yeah. You know, you want to go into engineering, you you can learn the basic math in like four, you could learn all of year 11 and 12 math in like three months. Mm. And they do that. They've got online courses. If you want to learn a math in three months, you could catch up very easily. Mm. So it's just, there's a lot of issues wrong with it, in my opinion. Very rare you meet someone who went, oh yeah, I love school. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> and I enjoyed school, mm. but I wouldn't say I loved it. Like mm. it was fine. I wasn't like heavily bullied. Yes, there were things, but very rarely did people like talk very positively of it. Yeah. So- yeah, you can see I could talk for ages. But. No, no, I really think it's interesting because I think the way you talk about how people feel about when they're not doing well in, in exams or and how that's shaping them going, oh, hang on, because I'm not necessarily strong in X, Y, and Z, I'm not smart or I'm mm. not smart. And the other thing is we're not all good at the same things no. and we don't all enjoy the same things. So why would we make a school system where we expect everybody to be good at the same things? And then you go, oh, but a teacher can't teach everything. They don't have to. They just have to be there to support you. The beautiful thing about the modern world is we can use YouTube to learn the information. Mm. We can get the information from anywhere. We just need a teacher there to manage you, to support you, to help you. They don't have, A teacher that's never, like let's say someone wants to learn video editing, right? And you've got a teacher who doesn't know how to video edit. That's fine. That teacher can be there, give feedback on their edits. They can be there, they can support that kid. And the kid can learn all the skills from YouTube. That's mm. what I did. Mm. I think most kids literally, and I believe this, more kids are learning stuff from YouTube than they are from school. We're not all good at the same things either. So we've got different things and strengths and, and weaknesses in different areas. And so to put people in the school system to assume that everybody's going to want the same thing, I think there's some research. There's research around Gallup strengths and, and positive psychology. And we spend all this time, I think it takes you six times, I can't remember the exact research, but six times longer to try and change a weakness and if you spend all that time mm. um, on a, the same amount of time on a strength, and I can't remember the exact data, but you double your productivity. So yeah, and that's like what we call the entrepreneur's bet. Yeah, and it's like as an entrepreneur, if you value yourself at a hundred dollars an hour, why are you doing ten dollars an hour tasks? Yes, you should be outsourcing that. I say this as someone who struggles with this, and I'm working on it now. Mm. Um, but it's like anything you're doing, just outsource it. If you spend twenty hours a week in your emails, and you could pay someone to drop that down to ten hours a week. What's an extra 10 hours a week worth to you? Mm. Is, it five, is it $500? Yeah. Is it $1,000? If you're a parent and you have kids and an extra 10 hours a week with your kids, what's that worth to you? Yeah. You're like, what is the number? For anyone listening, like, what's the number? Is it 100 bucks? Is it a th- if it's 1000 bucks, you could pay someone 100 bucks a week yep. to outsource that. Yep. And then you have another $900 to keep outsourcing. Yep. So yeah, it's the entrepreneur's bet. Rather than doubling, having a look at your weaknesses, double down on your strengths and delegate your weaknesses to someone whose strength that is. Mm. So I'm not very detail orientated. I'm very big picture. I execute very quickly. I'm not a perfectionist at all. I just, I pulled that out of me because it just didn't benefit me. And so if I'm getting someone to do any detail, like any legal stuff, God, I won't even read it. I won't (laughs) even bother. They're like, I've gone through the contract. It's all good. Did you want to read it? I'm like, no. Yeah. (laughs) What's the point? I pay you to go through it for a reason. Yeah. Like I'll pay that people to do that because I know I'm terrible at it. Yeah. And it's the same with a lot of areas in life. And that's where people can be a bit more entrepreneurial within jobs. Yes. Like if I've got an employee and they have to do 10 videos a week mm. and I find out they've hired their own team to do the 10 videos a week, but the videos are still great, I don't care. Mm. One of our editors did that and the videos just dropped off a cliff. 
Mm. And it caused like three, four weeks, we lost all this productivity. Mm. And so that's not okay. No. But I don't care as long as the work's done. And I think that's more of the workspace we're going into. It's just more like contracting rather than working 40 hours a week. Because we all know most employees could do their work job in probably 20 or 30 hours a week, right? Yep, yep. I think most people would know that. So rather than wasting 10 to 20 hours a week, you just work 10 hours a week per like maybe three or four companies. Mm. And you just do the 10 hours that you're incredible at. So maybe you work 10 hours a week for one company, another 10 for another, and another 10 for another. So you're working 30 hours a week, but you're getting paid at a premium for each 10-hour mm. spot. Mm. That's not based on my opinion. That's based on whatever like research I've done and interviewed people like yourself mm. who have spoken that they think this is the future of the workplace. Yep. And I agree. I think it probably is more of the future of the workplace. I think as well it's about looking at, for me, it's amazing that you've come across this early. I did not come onto this idea until I had children. So all my early career in life, I just thought I just need to work hard, work long hours. And I feel like what put me off becoming an entrepreneur was a bit of a lie. Mm. So I had been seeing and all I was hearing is, you know, being an entrepreneur is hard work. You work all hours of the night. You become obsessed with it. And to me, as a mum of two young kids, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound appealing. Mm. That's actually not what I want to do. And so for many years, I put off my own goal of being an entrepreneur because what was sold to me was this life, which was the very opposite of what I wanted to create. Because after I had kids, I used to always think you could do more and more work and you would get better. But then I had kids and Mm. I was like, well, I can't work as many hours as the next person Yeah, because my values have changed. Of course not. And then I was like, well, hang on, maybe I could do, you know, start, I worked commission only for the last company. Maybe I could do it on three days a week. And people said, no, you can't. Well, like I could, and I did, and I built very well. And then I started my own business and I said to everyone in the company, you can work four days mm. and you can work completely flexible and remote. And I'm not going to judge what hours you do as long as the output's there. Yeah, that's it. It's just the output, isn't it? Yeah. It's about changing our mindset around what an entrepreneur is as well. Mm. I do not believe, fundamentally do not believe that an entrepreneur has to work crazy hours. Rubbish. You have to work smart and then work hard. Yes. So you have to work smart then hard. If you just work hard, everyone works hard, right? Yeah. People work hard all around the world. Doesn't mean they're successful. But people who work smart and then once I've figured that out, then they work hard that's when you can be a bit more successful and mm. like leverage your time a bit better. Yeah. Because I do think you do have to work hard to start a business. But like, I mean, I work hard, but I also don't, I could work way harder. Like if I had to, I could work double the amount of hours if I had yeah. to. But yeah. I, don't, I don't want to. No. Like that's not something I want to do. Um, but I'm also at a different stage to you. Mm. Like I'm at a point where I can work my ass off and I don't have kids to look after. Yeah. I, like I can go all in on it. Yeah. It's a lot easier for me. And I yeah. always tell young people that. I'm like, you're not 35 with a second kid on the oh, way. Oh, yeah. If you Leverage don't have your time. kids. Yeah. If in my 20s, I worked hard, but I loved it. It wasn't work where I was working hard and not enjoying it because mm. that's the difference too. If you're fueled by a passion or a purpose, it's work, but it's play too. Mm. You're enjoying what you're doing. There's no way I could work the hours I do if I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I'm glad you raised that point as well because I see people now, you know, if you're in your 20s and you haven't yet worked hard to gain the knowledge and expertise in your field to be able to get a bit more flexibility, it's a tricky spot. Mm. You do need to use and leverage your time effectively now. Like for me, my 20s was all about building a career so that when I got into my 30s, I could have a family. Mm. I did not foresee wanting to come back and have a business. I knew I had that entrepreneurial spirit, but I was very put off by the message. And that's part of why I created the podcast was to show there are many different ways to success. You can be in your 20s and be an entrepreneur and create a community and have people around you. You can be a mum that has two young kids that wants to create a business. We say success is the most dangerous word in the human dictionary. Oh, yes. Because it's subjective. 
and this is a huge thing we talk about. When I talk about career guidance, I do a whole career section and empower you. I just rip into them. I'm like, all right, what would you do to an audience of no people? What would you do to no one? Like, what, what do you do just for fun if no one's watching? Mm. And we really just talk about status. Like status is a huge trap for young huge. people. Huge. And, I, you know, I always reference doctors because it's just the most, probably the highest status. It's also 10-year commitment of study, mm. massive commitment. And so, yeah, don't get caught and seduced by status. And success mm. isn't the status you have. Success is, are you internally happy? Mm. If you're successful, you're successful. Mm. No one can tell you otherwise. Mm. You don't have to have lots of money. No. I think, yes, having money has its place and allows you to do more successful things. Yes. But most people who get money don't have any time. Mm. And so how can, you know, most people who have lots and lots of money, they just work their ass off. They'd never really use it. They have a nice house, but they're barely in it. Mm. They got a nice car that they drive to and from work or whatever. And like the sweet spot in life is like, how do you make lots of money doing something you love and you've got time to do, use that money doing more stuff you love. Agree. And like, no, I mean, very, very few people can achieve that because that's not their goal. Their mm. goal is to get the car, the watch, the apartment, the status, the the doctor in yes. front of their name, the psychologist, the, you know, they want to, they're very status driven. Mm. And that is a really important message for young people mm. because that will cripple you. And that's where, you know, people will hit 30, 35, 40 and go, oh my God, I don't want to do this. What am mm. I doing with my life? Mm. So if I can help people have that realization at 19, 20, save them those 20 years, that 15 years, mm. so they're pursuing something that fulfills them. That's why I love working with young people because you can get them while they're early. Yeah. We run Empower You for 14 to 22-year-olds. Mm. At the end of this program, they're so full of hope. My mentor who, who started this company, he's been training me up. He runs the same event for the kids' parents. The mm. average age there is like 50, mm. 55. Those parents have a great time, but they're not full of hope. They're full of regret because they go, I wish I had learned this earlier. What if I learned these skills when I was 15? How would my life be different if I was 15? Yes. And so that's why, even though it's not financially rewarding to work with young people at all, mm. like I could take that skill set and go to corporate and make literally 20X, mm. 30X, mm. it's way more fulfilling. And so that's kind of where I, I got to remind myself that when it gets struggles, when it mm. gets tough financially or the situations where I'm like, oh, I could be making so much more money or whatever. It's like, no, but this is fun. I enjoy this yeah, and I should be lucky. So yeah, a little rant there. But. No, I totally agree. I, I see because my, my business was founded on purpose. I wanted to create a place where people could be recruited and supported into their roles. I kept seeing we, we were placing people and people were going in and it's like, you know, maybe they're 70% of a role they've got to develop and it's like, oh, good luck. Mm. And so I think founding a business or being an entrepreneur, part of that, and, and this is where I, I think the school system doesn't help you, part of the biggest growth journey you're going through as well is figuring out yourself. Yeah. That's what the, lights you up? That's the big thing school does really poorly. Yeah. It's like, what is the ultimate goal of school to prepare you for the adult world? Yes. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Correct. How do we prepare? Well, you need to figure out who you are. Mm. And school does ab next to nothing on helping you figure out who you are. Mm. They do no, like I've done so much work to get to here and I know there's so many strategies and so many things you can do to work on yourself. So many mm. like different activities you can do to get people to focus on themselves and learn about it. And school doesn't do any of that. They okay. just go math, science, English, essays, results, exams, line up, sit down, blah, 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 blah. And that's where it's like, we really get suffocated as young people. Mm. And I mean, ultimately the school system that I went through is probably almost identical to the one that you went through. Yes. And were, were we like a 10 years apart? 
Yeah. Maybe 10, 15 years apart. And yep. that's crazy because look oh, at I thought how we much- were five. So just. <laughs> <laughs> but no, look how much yeah. the school, everything yes. else has changed. Yes. The workforce is completely different. It the, is. Did you have a phone in high school? No. I've got a freaking touch phone. I, I didn't have TikTok. I had Instagram, Snapchat, everything in high school. So yes. our experience from everything else was completely different. Yes. But the school infrastructure is the same. Yeah. And so why isn't it changing? It's so interesting as well. They've recently done a bring your own device at my son's school and there was such a kickback from the parents, mm. from the parents. And I I was there and I just stood up and I, I, agree. I, and I you agree with having the device no, or not? No, you, they shouldn't have devices at school. Oh, tell me why. No, especially for eight years old at that age yeah. in a way. I mean, I guess I'm lucky. I really love the childhood I had in New Zealand. I yeah. was mountain biking. I, we had PlayStation, mm. but it wasn't portable. That's the issue. The portability yeah. is what's crushing kids, I think. People say like the iPad is a new pacifier, right? Mm. There's this whole thing Gen Z talk about called iPad kids. Yeah. The kids have grown up on the iPads. It's yeah. like rather than keep them entertained, give them the iPad. Yeah. Because right? there's so much beauty in boredom. That's mm. where creativity comes out. Mm. When kids are forced to just be outside for 12 hours, mm. you have to make a fort. You have Mm. to find sticks and climb trees and do stuff Mm. and you have to get creative. But if you just give them an iPad, they just, they don't have to do any of that. Mm. And so, I mean, I've seen the impacts say, I don't struggle much with addiction, but I probably would say I'm addicted to my phone. Yeah. And most people are. And so the longer you can prolong them from having a phone with games and stuff on it, just a phone for contacts good. Mm. But like, I wouldn't want to give my kids, I mean, it depends what they're using it for. Like, it's just tricky. I mean, I think for as long as possible, having, I had laptops in school and it's very easy to just not work. Mm. It's like, you just play games the whole time. Teachers can't tell. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the screen's That's in true. front of I never you. thought of it like that. One area where it's been interesting, and, and, and this is why I want to talk to you about it, is so when we talk about learning, the iPad has the capacity, which a teacher would sometimes struggle with, with different students to, mm. to let students go ahead mm. or take a different tangent mm. or direction in education. If they're in a classroom with an iPad, that's different to like sitting at home playing games or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I mean. So I see, and I'm glad you brought it up because I see some validity in the concern of my view is then if they're having a device at school, it's no iPad time at home. If you're doing that at school when you're home, and our experience is different. I, I live on acreage in Brisbane, so I have kids that climb trees yeah, and yeah. are outside, you know, a lot of the time. But I totally understand if, you, if you're in a suburban environment a city. And, and a city and yeah. you don't have a yard and then that, that iPad. It's fair. Wow. Like, I grew up in a small country town in, in New Zealand where yeah. I could do all that. Yeah. And so I'm glad. Like I look at like even living in this house now, like where do I – do I let my kids just run around the city? That's a bit dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> so it's just, you know, figuring that out. But, you know, obviously technology can be your friend, but also, also like even with a new Apple update, you can now scan and I think Android has it. You can like take a photo of text and copy it and then paste it in your Word document. Mm. And so what do kids do? And I did this. You take a photo of all the notes and your brain's gone, I'll take a photo. I'll go over those notes later. No, you won't. I've never gone over any of those photos I took. Mm. Probably over a hundred photos in my camera roll in year 12, probably maybe 500 that I never went over. And so it almost tricks you like you're learning. So I think it's just technology adds a lot more addiction and a more barriers for you to have to work through. Mm. And so it's very hard to study and focus when you could just open up a tab and play a game or talk to your friends while you're there. And that's a temptation that we have to deal with. Now, of course, at a young age, they haven't learned the skills to like break through those temptations and they don't think it's bad. Yeah. But like, you know, if you've just got a pen and paper, you don't have to do And by the way, I wanted a laptop when I was younger. I'm mm. only saying this in hindsight. Yes. Like it was really fun playing games when we had the opportunity to. Mm. I don't know. It's just technology has been a blessing and a curse for this generation. 
totally agree. Um, I was walking through Sydney the other day and and, and I saw a group of, of kids that were waiting for the bus and they were all on their yeah, phones. Yeah. They weren't talking to each other. Yeah. These yeah. are like 15, 16-year-olds. And then these kids go for job interviews and they're horrendous. Yes. And you wonder why. Yeah. Well, because they don't talk on their phone. They don't, don't talk much. They, they spent two years in COVID without talking, yeah. which means they've got anxiety, which means they struggle to even talk to a random person. Mm. And so they might be really good for the job, but if you don't interview well, you're not going to get the job. No. And then what I'm also noticing, and one of the things a lot of recruiters complain about is so there's certain difficult situations where you might have to decline a job or you might have to. Now, for my generation, it's you pick up the, the phone. You have mm. the hard conversations on the phone. But all too often, things like ghosting, like never replying, mm. never hearing back, oh. it's like that is such a common thing. And yeah. for our generation, we go, well, what? why? Why can't we have this conversation? But then social media and 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 text messages and technology has made it very easy to be dismissive. It's a very easy exit. Yeah. There's a great story we love. I don't know if you know um, Jesse Martin. He no. was the youngest person at the time to sail around the world by himself. Yeah, okay. Then I should have. In 1999, yeah. he did okay. it. And he was 17 years old. One of my mentors, he actually interviewed him. And one of the questions he asked him was, you achieved this massive goal. Mm. How come you didn't quit? How come you didn't give up mm. when so many others did? And mm. he said, you know what's interesting? I did quit. I quit multiple times. The issue was I was three weeks away from land. And so mm. I'd start sailing back to land for a week the sun would come out, the dolphins would jump out of the water. I'd start to feel better. And I was like, you know what? I've got this. And he said, I think a big reason I was able to succeed is because I didn't have any exits. And a big reason a lot of young yes. people are struggling nowadays is because they have so many exits. The phone is an exit. Ghosting is now a normal thing. And I agree. We've had people ghost us. It's yeah. insane. We it's had two, weird. We, it's insane. I couldn't believe it. And I don't have much sympathy for them because it's like, you know this is not a good thing, right? I don't care this is a generation you grew up in. You know this is not okay. But yeah. they're so crippled by confrontation. And that's why I say to other people, it's like, guys, it's not that hard to stand out as a young person. Mm. Like, just show up on time, do a bit more than's asked of you, stay in the race. <laughs> and like, you're going to be so far ahead of everyone else because everyone else is like ghosting and, you know, and dropping the ball. Mm. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, look at these young kids, you know, not, but it's just true. Like, I've dealt with a lot of that as well with some mm. of the people we've worked with. And that's why when I find a young person who's hungry, they've got the drive, I hold on to them. I'm like, oh, what can we do together? Because yes. they're, they're diamonds in the rough. Yes. And so you can play victim or you can go, all right, how do I be better? Yeah. And it's really not that hard to stand out because I've dealt with a lot of that, that quiet quitting, ghosting. It's just like, it's not acceptable in the workforce. It's just mm. ridiculous. You've mm. got to have better communication skills than that. But it comes down to also school, the phone, COVID. Yes. So as much as I, I also do sympathize with them. I do mm. empathize for them. It's mm. like, it is really hard. Like it's not your fault, but it is, it is responsibility. But it is good. You've created, I think you're creating something out of a need. You, you know, these people that are ghosting, quiet quitting, you know what it is as well? They're lost. Mm. They're lost. They don't, they don't have that community of people that they can talk to and kind of go, oh, I want to quit this job. And then, and people going, or oh, I don't want this job. And people going, you have to have the conversation. Mm. And no, they have, they have people saying, don't have don't, a conversation. Yeah. They're they put people, the wrong people. Yes. They're, oh, yeah, just just leave it. I did that with my other job. That's what people were probably saying. Now, yes. of course, this isn't everyone, but this is enough people to justify having this conversation. Mm. So mentors, you've talked about that and I really want to cover it. Who are, are the significant mentors in your life and what impact have they had? Um, obviously, my mum and dad are my original mentors. I think that goes outstanding and I have phenomenal parents. So, you know, that's something I've been very lucky with. My first mentor outside of probably parents and teachers, let's say, was Glenn, who mm. runs KPI. Yeah. So I, and again, none of my mentors like really mentored me. I just got to be around them. 
And mm-hmm. they just by being around them, they let me, they kind of mentor me as a byproduct. Yeah. And so Glenn was definitely my first mentor. These two guys, Ed and Wyatt, I was working with them. They were like my managers, I guess. And, and we became good mates. You know, as much as I'd hate to admit it, I definitely learned a lot from those guys. They're, <laughs> they're, they're great guys. Um, right now, Brent, uh, he's my presenting mentor. So he's been, I've been running his program now for two years or helping run his program now for two years doesn't matter. I've been helping run this program for two years and I'm running it solo. He's been training me up for about two years to present this program Mm. because they're 12 hour days back to back. Mm. So nine o'clock to nine o'clock at night, then nine o'clock to nine o'clock at night again with like 60, 70 kids in a room. So how do you keep them engaged? So it's a very high skill set and that's been phenomenal to learn from him, um, who's probably one of the most qualified people in Australia, if not the world, when it comes to teaching young people in personal development. Mm. He's been doing it for 21 years. Mm. So yeah, he again, I me- I learned just by being around him and mm. by him giving me the reins to like run his program. And mm. he did actually mentor me time and time again for presenting specifically. Even like some of my friends and my mentors as well, I would mm. consider like I have a lot of respect for them. They're the two most significant ones in my life, probably Glenn and Brent though. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then there's like the mentors that you don't know, the people you listen to, the podcast you listen yes. to. You know, I always feel probably weird saying they're my mentors because they're not my mentors, but I've learned a lot from people online as well who I just follow online and mm. listen to their content as well. And what's the legacy you want to leave in the world? For me, I want to just help change the education system Yeah, um, and provide a community of young people where everyone can thrive and bounce off each other and just be human again and have those connections and learn the relevant life skills we want to leave. So I want to leave a legacy of people who think, Byron was a cool person. He impacted a lot of lives yeah. and he really had a purpose and was living. He really lived life, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like I want to travel, yeah. I want, but I want to travel and I want to help people and um, yeah, grow the business to just be as big as it can and impact as many people as possible. I love that. So I'm going to ask you the rocket round um, because you're going to have some good answers here. I'm pretty confident. Um, favorite book? Fiction would be the Stormlight Archive series. Mm-hmm. Um, nonfiction would be Daring Greatly. By Brene Brown. Oh, I love Brene Brown. And How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, that's that's yeah, my yeah. favourite book of all time. Yeah, they're both, I mean, they're just, I mean, that's a bare minimum, that book, I think. Yeah. Because it's communication, which is an incredible skill. It's an amazing book. It was the first book that I ever read in my 20s and it was yeah. a hugely impactful book. And yeah. it was written ages ago. <laughs> it was. It's still good. Yeah, it's crazy. I haven't read the Brene Brown one, so I'll have to read that. Uh, favourite holiday destination? That I've been to or want to go to? Uh, either. I'd love to go to Japan. Um, Bali is just fun time for me as well. Like yep. right now I'm loving Bali. It's just, it's just a good time. Yeah. It's nearby as well. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got an office dog that you're looking after at yeah, the moment. He's become do. my best friend. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's <laughs> freaking adorable. Coffee or wine? Probably wine. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean I do both, but probably wine. you're right next to a coffee shop. That does I know, really it's good. dangerous. It's a dangerous yeah, thing yeah. being I that close. Yeah, I could have like 50 of their coffees. Uh, white Christmas or summer Christmas? I've never had a white Christmas, so I guess yeah, summer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, there's a few. Uh, this American Life is really, really good. It's like these like huge documented, like really highly edited podcasts. Um, Hamish Nandy's good like comedy one that I'm just yes, kind of chill. I don't I haven't listened to them for a while, but it, like dep- I listen to them in phases. Funny enough, I listen to my own podcasts, not all the time, but just to like improve. Mm. So I can hear how my interviewing technique, see what I can do to improve. Mm. Um yeah, they probably this American Life is a good one. They're probably the main ones on the list. I don't listen to as many as I used to. I used to listen to heaps. Yeah. Not many now, yeah. I don't even listen to one or two at any given time. Like I'll just listen to a couple. Yeah. Get really invested. Yeah, um, I have audiobooks as well. Yeah, yeah. Audiobooks are great. Mm. I, know, I know most people I've been speaking to on the podcast listen to audiobooks. So mm. if you've got a book, get it on audio because most people are listening to Audible or whatever mm. they use. And what makes you feel like your home? For me, 
I mean, family, of course. Mm. I think family. And like, the, I don't know if it's weird, but the air in New Zealand, because that's kind of like home for me in New Zealand. Yeah. It's just different. It's mm. a lot colder and a lot mm. crisper. And like seeing the mountains, because mm. you can see the mountains in New Zealand where we grew up. Yeah. You can just see them in the distance. You Amazing. can't see that here. No. So like seeing the mountains, feeling the, the crispiness in the air. And like, you know, when you like breathe in like this fog, mm. that's kind of probably like home for me. Yeah. Awesome. And what ways can the listeners support you and learn more about what you do and follow yeah. you? I mean, just Byron Dempsey on all socials. DrivenYoung.com is where the program is. It's where everything I do is. But if you just Google me, I pop up everywhere. So yeah, yeah LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Byron Dempsey or Driven Young is my company or the Driven Young program. But that's very easy to find. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks I for really having me on. I really appreciate it. It was Thank great. You. Good chat. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.